Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura. And I'm Kim. And today we were going to talk about... Barking. Yes, yes, yes. And that was Laura's dog. Chip barking on command, but what we're talking more about is barking that becomes troublesome. Right, nuisance barking or barking that leads to other issues. And when I originally wanted to talk about this, it's because I have a really good friend of mine who took two of my puppies and also has a third dog, a rescue dog that I had. And I went over to her house one day and she had the dogs in a yard area and they could see out to the front yard. Mm -hmm. And when I drove up, she wasn't home and the dogs were barking at the neighbors. And I said to her later when I spoke with her, you know, you really need to block off that fenced area that they can see through. The visual part. Absolutely, because they are barking like crazy at the people out on the street, and that's going to become a problem. And she promptly blew off what I had to say. <laughs> As most friends do. Yes, and said, oh, Kim, you're just being, I don't know what she said, but I'm assuming that she went, oh, you're being so controlling, and went, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Fast forward to several weeks later, and she calls me all upset because one of her neighbors was complaining about the third dog that she has, the rescue dog, that he was barking excessively. And he's not a big barker. He's really not. It's not in his nature to bark. He's kind of a lazy dog. And And you know because he did live with you for a while. He lived with me for quite a while, yes. So he's just not a big barker. I was really surprised, and I said if I had to guess, it's because the Australian Shepherds have gotten him going. She said, no, no, the neighbor said that the Australian Shepherds aren't doing it. However, the Australian Shepherds are on the other side of the yard, opposite to this particular neighbor mm-hmm. who, was, who was complaining. She doesn't leave those three dogs together because the rescue dog's big. We don't know that much about his background, and I want to be sure that there isn't a problem. It's three male dogs. So, anyway, she was very upset, and I said, well, you know what? You need to get a recorder, and you need to record what's happening, and we need to figure out if the Australian Shepherds are the ones that are instigating it. And sure enough, long story short, they were. Okay. And at that point, she left a message on my machine saying that she was really upset and she wanted to work on it, but if worse came to worse, she put a bark collar on them and blah, blah, blah. I fired off an email to her saying, oh, no, you're not. Right, right. (laughs) Because I told you that, it's not, by the way, that I have a huge issue with bark collars. She was talking about a citronella bark Mm -hmm. collar. But um, I said to her, this is something that you could have headed off at the pass. You Mm -hmm. absolutely could have taken care of this prior, and you completely ignored what I had to say, Mm -hmm. and you did not block off that area. And now she wants to punish the dogs for her not stepping in. Yes. And to her credit, by the way, she totally accepted that and, and, and saw how that would be unfair, and she's been a trooper about tackling this problem as I've had her tackle it. But... I think that that got me thinking about nuisance barking, how it starts. Mm-hmm. First of all, what is nuisance barking? Right. You know, what's nuisance barking? I think only your neighbor can answer that question. Probably. Probably. <laughs> you know? Because we don't very often find that our dogs, our dogs barking, it's kind of like kids crying. You go into a restaurant, and if you have kids and they're crying, you don't really notice. But if the table next to you has a kid that's crying, it's nuisance. Well, I'm the opposite, actually. I spent many years in grooming shops, so honestly, any barking is too much barking for me. I'm not a fan of barking, and my dogs know it. They say, you know what, we have a, we have a mute control switch in us. But yes, I agree with you. I think nuisance barking is something that bothers someone, mm-hmm. and it's going to be different for different people. 
And sometimes what doesn't seem problematic to you does seem problematic to your neighbors. And where we live, most of us, in cities, right, where you have to be concerned about your neighbor calling animal control or somebody on you, nuisance barking can be a real issue. It can. It can. I mean, stuff that we get calls about all the time. People live in apartments or condominiums, you know, where their neighbors are even closer than if you were to live in a house. So my thought on nuisance barking is that most of nuisance barking comes from barking that was left unchecked, uncontrolled from the start. Right. Exactly. A lot of times dogs that bark a lot are dogs that are bored. They're alone. Mm-hmm. And they're finding a way to amuse themselves. Dogs don't just bark about nothing. So when you see a dog out on the street, they aren't running down the street barking. <laughs> if you see like a, a, stray a stray dog? A yeah. stray dog. Yeah. yeah. Dogs left to their own devices and in a situation where they have other things to think about, don't bark. Mm-hmm. Some do- dogs bark when they play. I have Australian Shepherds. Bark, bark, bark. They like to bark when they play. Mm-hmm. I have worked on it to keep it to a minimum, but right. definitely it is something that they do. It's right. the herding breeds. Right. And, well, which Chip, I was just going to mention Chip, who was just out here, he barks when he plays, and he is a herding breed. Right. So there is some barking that's natural and normal, but most barking, it's normal, but it's not that natural to a dog to vocalize continuously. Dogs right. usually vocalize for a reason. Mm-hmm. If they just start barking at home, most of the time it's boredom, fear. Yeah. Dogs that are that hear noises and that are worried about what's going on, and right or that, right. Um, and a lot of times it comes from, as you said, from dogs that bark when their owners are around, and it goes uncommented on, right. Because sometimes people think that it's best if someone knows they have a dog. So when the dog barks at the neighbors, they say, "Oh, it's okay. I want them to bark. I want people to know that there's a dog here." Right. And you know what I. A lot of times dogs will bark as alarm barking, right? They're mm-hmm. trying to do their job. And, you know, when I had Gemini, my, my German Shepherd, this was a long time ago before I even knew that much about behavior. You know, I knew how to do sit down, stuff like that, but I hadn't gotten too much into the behavior stuff. So for like, I don't know, she was an adult when I got her. She was about a year old when I got her. And a couple of years into the, you know, into owning her, here she is barking because, you know, shepherds bark at everything. So here she is barking. Birdie, and oh birdie, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello. And so for a couple of years, all I was doing was going, Gemini, shut up. Gemini, shut up. And getting mad at her for it. And then one day, she's, she's at the window barking. And I walk up to the window and I go, what is it? Because this whole time I'm trying to tell her to shut up, not doing anything about it. Okay, the whole proactive, reactive thing that mm-hmm. we talked about. So... I walk up to the window, I look out the window in the direction she's looking, I see that it's the neighbor's gardeners, and I say, fine, okay, it's the gardeners, thank you. I turn around and walk away, and she happily turned away from the window and trotted along next to me. And that was such a big aha moment for me, Mm -hmm. because she was trying to do her job. She was doing her job going, somebody's here, somebody's here, you need to pay attention to this. And it seemed like as soon as I acknowledged that she had, number one, done her job, and number two, I took responsibility for it. I acknowledged that I had seen what it was, and she got that I saw what it was. She went, fine, I did my job, and now you got it, and I'm perfectly happy walking away from this. 
And for the rest of her life, anytime she would bark, all I had to do was walk up and go, what is it? Look out in the direction she was looking, even if I didn't see what it was, and go, oh, okay, great, thanks, that's enough, let's go. She would turn around and walk away with me. By the way, folks, that is not a training technique. <laughs> it is. Well, what I mean to everybody, say by that, wait, every, wait, wait, what okay. I mean to say by that is, I don't, I don't want people to hear that. You know this. I'm not talking to you. I okay. want people to hear that and think the dog understood what you had to say. What happened was the dog understood that you acknowledged it. It wasn't the words right. that you said. Yes. It wasn't that if somebody walks up and says to their dogs, okay, I see that, fine. Right. It was you had your dog had enough trust in you that when you took on the responsibility of that, right. she let it go. Right. And, and you were able to convey that to her with those words. Those words wouldn't magically work with just any Right, dog. they wouldn't. That, that's, that's the point I'm trying right. to make. Right, and that's, and, but I have to tell you, everybody who has dogs that do this kind of barking, alarm barking, that is how I've told them to deal with it, and they've told me, oh, my gosh, my dog shuts up now. When I go up and I say, oh, yeah, okay, I get it, thanks, and they walk away. Right. Everybody I have told that to has said that it's worked for them. Yeah, I just don't want people to think if they go home and they try this and it doesn't work that it's going to be a well, problem. Well, of course, it what, depends on the kind what, of barking. Yes. Also. What, and how long the dog's been doing it and yeah. how long they've been gone unchecked and that kind of thing. I think, though, that I think that people don't realize that a lot of times they actually allow the dog to train themselves to become barkers. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that they're not going out and acknowledging what's happening. Because if you did that wrong, you could actually make it. You barking. could encourage it. Yeah, it could become an attention-seeking behavior. Right. You could make barking worse. I think what people don't realize is that if you allow your dog to make decisions about what to bark at all the time, and you really never weigh in on anything, mm-hmm. and then a situation comes up where you no longer want them to bark, it's going to be very difficult for them to understand why you are suddenly upset with them. And why you're suddenly butting into something that has been totally their responsibility. And so what I find is that a lot of the people that I go work with who have barking issues have had dogs that have had a lot of visual stimulation. Again, the fence that the dog can see through. That is a big one because that leads to other problems too, which we'll cover. Myself, I would never have a chain link fence. You couldn't pay me to have a fence that my dogs could see through or to have them sit in front of a picture window all day long. No, or a window where a dog could stand and look outside all the time. Right. Because they're behind a barrier, Mm -hmm. so they can't get to whatever it is that they see. They get excited. They have nothing to do with that excitement. Right. So it comes right out of their mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and I've had people tell me, but that's the only stimulation he gets during the day is being able to see what goes by the house. Okay, well, you need to change that. Yeah. There are other other things you can do to stimulate your dog mentally because now, and it's mostly people who live in condos or apartments that they're like up a couple of floors where the dog can see down onto the sidewalk. The dog gets to go out on the balcony or whatever, and now the neighbors are complaining. Right. And you could fix that situation prior to it becoming a problem Mm -hmm. by simply recognizing that if when you're home and you have that open and the dog can go out, you teach the dog not to bark at everything he sees. Right. You can actually fix that problem before it becomes a problem. But first you have to recognize it as being a problem. Or a potential problem. Right. Because, again, it's one of those things that can start out as a little thing and most people don't see where it's headed, you know, six months, a year down the road. 
And the classic one that I get all the time is, can you teach him not to bark? But I want him to bark when someone comes to the door. Well, okay. If you have a dog that is barking excessively and you say, well, I want to fix the excessive bark, but I still want him to bark. Yeah. How is the dog supposed to make that distinction? Very unrealistic. Yeah. Especially because most excessive barking happens when we're not home. Yeah. So if the dog is allowed to bark when we're home, and then we think he's going to stop barking or bark appropriately when we're gone, that's kind of unrealistic. So what are some suggestions? I mean, if the dog is going to bark when you're not home, what do we? What do types of things do we do to keep the dog from barking when we're not home? Well, for me, I usually have people, first of all, if there are areas that are uncovered that the dog is continuously looking outside, I do have them cover those areas. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. do have them cover up. People who have fences that the dog can see through, people that have big windows, I don't have those things. Right. And neither do you. Right. No, neither do I. And not only covered up, like like if it's a wrought iron fence on the side or a chain link fence on the side, it doesn't even have to be see-through because if the dog can get all the way up to that fence and see even two inches under the crack, like we have a wooden fence, Mm -hmm. but if the dog can see two inches underneath that gate and see people walking by, that could be enough, or stick their little eyeball, you know, in the little mm-hmm. the little tiny crack between the wood slats mm-hmm. that they can see, then it can still stimulate them enough to bark. And then, again, they still get reinforced for chasing whatever it is away. So in our case, not only do I have the gate farther up, but then I have a secondary gate 15, 20 feet back to prevent the dog from getting even up to the fence because you know as well as I do some people who walk down the street they have their dogs either off leash or on a retractable leash or even if your gate is close enough to the sidewalk they'll walk with their dog up onto your property and let them sniff noses underneath your fence yes they will yes don't get me started and then and then yeah and and then that can cause so many behavior problems in your own dog you know that your neighbors are really not helping you out with no but don't even get me started. I lived in a neighborhood. Yeah, I saw your face issues. change when I said oh that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I had a reaction. Well, I've, I've had this particular problem more than once. And we will actually have a whole thing about that because, honestly, that is a huge issue. But, yes, so the first thing I have them do is, is cover up areas. Or, like in the case with my friend with the Australian Shepherd, she covered up the part of the gate that they could see through, and then she put a barrier further back so that they couldn't go up and, and right. find the cracks, like the little areas underneath. That, the, that they could see through. Right. However, it was a little bit like shutting the barn door after the horse was <laughs> running around in the field. Yes. Because Isn't that proactive versus reactive? <laughs> yes. Because, mm. unfortunately, now they've become very reactive, and now they're listening for the neighbors, too. Okay? Right. So it's not visual anymore. It's now auditory. Right. So now what she has to do is, because she works during the day, now she has to close the dogs inside and give them something to entertain them. And come home at lunch and let right. them out and let them go to the bathroom right. and come back and put them away again and put them in with something to entertain them and then come back home. It's it's more it's given her a lot more work to do because yes. she has to then get up in the morning and take those dogs out and exercise them in the morning before she goes to work. Mm-hmm. And then she has to go through the hassle of coming home at lunch. And then she has to get home and she has to make sure that she lets them out and exercises them then. And then she has to work on the barking. Yes, and and had she, you know, actually believed that you do this for a living when you first brought this up to her, she she wouldn't have to do all of this stuff. She's going to get a laugh out of this because I'm sure she'll listen. And 
And honestly, you know, to, again, to give the devil her due, she, and to her credit, she's actually doing all these other things that yeah. are tons and tons of work. Which a lot of people wouldn't do. No. They, they would just, would just bark Yes, they would just slap they would, the bark collar on the dog. And, and they would, that's right, and they would punish that dog for a mistake that they made. Mm-hmm. And so the funny thing is, she's locking the Australian Shepherds up. She doesn't have to, the dog that originally got complained about, he mm-hmm. can be out. Right. Because in the absence of the Australian Shepherds getting him going, right. he's just too lazy. He's right. not going to be bothered. <laughs> right. Right. He just can't be bothered with such things. So, But we found that out by recording them. Mm-hmm. And I had her put a recorder in various areas, and we, and we tried several different things. We tried leaving the dogs out, bringing them in. So we tried several different things. And we came up with the way to deal with this particular situation. It's going to take a long time to fix. That's the thing. Again, you know, that's the thing that's kind of funny about this, is that if she had just done what I said, we could have avoided the situation. Right. And now she's in for a really long haul. Right. Barking is self-reinforcing. It is. It does take a while to get Yeah. So how long were they barking before she had to step in and do all of this stuff? Well, that's kind of the $6 million question because we don't really know. You know, neighbors can be kind of unreliable sources for things like this. Sometimes the neighbor will tell you this has been going on for a year and you've only had the dog for three months. Right. I mean, it's very difficult. Well, it seems like a year it's been that bad. <laughs> it's very difficult. She has very nice neighbors, and they've mm-hmm. been very nice about it. But So we don't know. So now we have to err on the side of caution. And we have to assume that it's been going on for an extended period of time. Because the dogs are a year old now. Right. And she's going to have to work quite a long time on this little project. Um, the other thing that she's doing is when she's at home, She's not allowing them to react to every single thing that happens. Right, right. That little bit. That little bit. She's stopping them at that little bit before they can take it to a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Because before, when one would react, then the other would react, then the other would react, then they're all reinforcing each other, and it would just mm-hmm. get to be a bigger and bigger deal. Bark louder. I am. <laughs> I've got it. No, you I've got it. You bark, too. <laughs> right. So I think that... When it comes to nuisance barking, people have to recognize that nuisance barking has its roots in a reason. Mm-hmm. And depending on how you deal with that will determine whether or not it continues or how, gets worse. How do you deal with excessive barking? Uh, it depends on the reason that the dog is barking. I mean, if it's just nuisance barking, like Chip, who you heard, has a big problem with barking. Ever since the day that I got him, but to be I, honest I have with you, to break on in here. Chip is a huge clown, by the way. <laughs> oh, he's a big. And you can clown. kind of forgive Chip some of his eccentricities because he's hilarious. But anyway, right. go on. But also, I mean, he came from the shelter. He was picked up when he was about six months old, and he was there for about a year and a half. So, the part of his life where where a dog is most easily influenced is was spent behind a cage in a run, watching people and dogs go past his cage every day. And he barked and barked and barked and barked. So who knows how many times he was reinforced over that year and a half period of being in a cage and having people and dogs walk by and barking. Right. So that's where I'm guessing, you know, a lot of his problem came from. Right. So, and he's got a horrendous bark. He does. bark is this high-pitched... Oh, my gosh. Alarm bark, alarm. He doesn't have anything but an alarm bark. Yeah. you. What you heard at the beginning of this podcast is was a very mild sampling of Chip <laughs> doing his, his barky thing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And it was, on, and it was in, under control. Yeah, that was, that was on cue, and, and 
there were treats involved, so he was focused elsewhere, whereas if I had been dangling a squirrel in front of him, it would have been a totally different yes. different thing. The, the screeching bark. Right. So we won't we won't talk about how I deal with Chip and his <laughs> barking. He's he's mainly an indoor dog, and he gets to go out for, you know, for potty breaks and stuff. In controlled situations. In controlled situations, because I can't allow him to be outside barking and being a nuisance. He's not out when I'm not home because I can't control it. Well, and I think that brings up a really good point and kind of plays into what I was talking about with Dana, which is, okay, your dogs have become a nuisance barker. You have to accept the idea that you cannot leave them unchecked in the yeah. yard. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I go to clients' houses and I start to talk to them about this, they're really, not all, but some can be very intolerant to that idea. Well, I have to leave him outside. Well, but here's the thing. This problem has developed now. Right. And so now, in order to control that problem, you're going to have to make some life changes. Yeah. And when when you're not home, you can't be there to influence him. And to be honest with you, none of my other dogs bark. They they don't really. I mean, they bark occasionally. Daisy will bark when she gets excited. But in other than Gemini, who I mentioned before, and even she I could leave out when I wasn't home. Mm-hmm. I mean, occasionally, you know, you'd hear her, you'd hear her in the backyard barking. And you'd look out the window, and she'd be just lying in the grass with her head up, just barking like, hello, is anybody there? Right. And then listening, and then, hello, is anybody there? It wouldn't last more than a minute or two. Right. That and then she would be, be called, quiet. Right. But that could hardly be called nuisance barkers. Right. 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 But other than that, I really haven't ever had any nuisance barkers. barkers. Mm-hmm. But when you help a client, when you're helping somebody else deal with barking, I know one of the techniques that's commonly used is teaching a dog to bark on command. Yeah. I don't know how much that helps with bar- I don't barking. either. I don't know how much I believe that helps with nuisance I barking. don't either. I know that that is, well... Talked about. That's a, yes, that's a touted ideal of how to, to deal with barking dogs. Is I, to put it on cue and they just never ask for it. Yeah, I don't know how much I believe that that works. Because, because it's a self-reinforcing behavior. I was just going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. You don't need to ask for it. And they don't need your reinforcement right. for it. It is fun to bark. Right. Especially if you're bored. And I think that's maybe the key. I think if people started realizing that if your dog is understimulated, you are much more likely to have this problem. Right. So, like, let's say I have a, I have a client who, who has a yard. And, and it's out of boredom. The dog has nothing better to do. You know, one of the easiest things to do is you take the dog's kibble and instead of feeding him in a bowl, you know, out of a bowl in the morning, you take his kibble and you throw it out in the yard. And now the dog has to go hunting for his food. It takes him 45 minutes to find all the food and another half an hour to make sure he's found all the food. Right. (laughs) And then occasionally he'll come upon another single piece that he missed earlier and then go looking all over again to make sure that there isn't any more that just suddenly fell from the sky when he wasn't looking. So that's one thing to do to keep them right. busy. Because it's not just it's not just finding the food, but he has to use his nose to find every single piece of kibble. Mm-hmm. And that is exhausting for a dog. Mm-hmm. Another way to possibly deal with a dog that is a latchkey dog, that's a stay-at-home dog, that's bored, is to look into doggy daycare. Mm-hmm. If you have a dog, especially a dog that's social, that enjoys interacting with other dogs, and that does it appropriately... Sometimes a doggy daycare is a really good idea. You don't necessarily have to make that an everyday thing. Right. But giving that dog three days a week at a doggy daycare might tire him out enough and give him enough mental stimulation that he then doesn't feel the need to try to figure out what to do with himself. Right. 
Or a dog walker goes along those lines, too. You have somebody come over and take the dog out in the middle of the day and take him for a walk or come over and play if, play ball with him in the backyard mm-hmm. or just do something entertaining for him. Right. Especially dogs that don't have access to, you know, to the yard. If, if your options are you either lock him in the house or you lock him outside, and if he's outside, he's going to bark, but inside you're afraid he's not going to be able to hold it all day, you have somebody come over and let him out and throw the ball for him. Right. My friend, who is having this issue, she gets up in the morning, and she gets her little behind out of bed and takes them over to the park and lets them run, and then works with them mm-hmm. for 10 minutes each, mm-hmm. and then puts them away. And that Now, she's, still, she's not leaving them loose in the yard right, right. now, because it's, it's too early to be doing that. These dogs have had that behavior not that long ago, and they're, again, they're Australian Shepherds. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but they, that is a, a breed that enjoys barking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from working with stock. Yeah. But um, it's how you get what you want. It's how you get them to move. That's right. That's right. So the point is that if you decide that you are having a problem with barking, before you strap on a collar, and I am not a huge, I don't have a huge problem with a citronella bark collar. I really don't. In the right set of circumstances, and when you don't have other choices, and when, here's when I would use a citronella bark collar, or a bark collar. I would. Here's when I would use a collar. If I had a dog that I was going to be gone for a really long time during the day, and he was a nuisance barking very badly, and I had neighbors that I thought were going to get me into some big trouble, and I had done these other things, and they were not curtailing the barking. Right. I would not just put on a collar, but I would put on a collar if it was that, or lock that dog up and give him no life. Right. Those are the choices. That's, I mean, everybody has to make their own choice about these things. That's a situation where I'm always weighing, okay, what, what are the pros, what are the cons? And if I have to take that dog's life away, meaning not destroy the dog, but if I have to take away the activity level in his life or put on a collar, I would put on a collar. Yeah. But that should never be done as an alternative to doing a lot of other things. There are so many other things that need to happen. Barking is usually a symptom of a problem more than it is a problem. It may become the problem, but it's usually a symptom of a dog that is not getting enough stimulation, a dog that's got too much access to things that are disturbing him. Some dogs bark because they get insecure. I have a dog that used to come to my house for daycare, and one of the problems that they had with this dog was when they would leave him home, when it would start to get dark, he'd start to bark. Oh, wow. Now, was he afraid of the dark? I don't know, but clearly something about that was disturbing to him. And it was a problem for him. I have another dog that I worked with for a while who, when it started to become, he wouldn't really bark all during the day, but yeah. for about an hour before dinner time, he would bark. So we broke up the meals into two meals a day. Yeah. He was getting hungry. He was having a problem. I mean, yeah. there are all sorts of reasons that dogs, dogs bark, but just running around barking is not a normal state for most dogs. For now, I think barking, we've kind of given people an idea of some ideas Mm -hmm. for things to do about barking and some of the reasons that barking develops to begin with. So I think maybe, again, go back to proactive versus reactive or preemptive training and think about how you might be allowing something to build into a behavior that you don't like, and that would be the barking behavior. That would be a classic example of barking behavior. Okay. So that does it for today. I am Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And this is Laura from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you. Thank you.
You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. And remember, you can find Doggy Dish on Facebook and download us from iTunes. Thank you for listening.